That left foot round the corner is shaping up for them. Just to get Gary Line out of his seat. To give him something to cheer about. Gorn goes to Banana. Oh! Gorn and the boundary, the best of friends. Pine bounce, a chance for Pickett. And Pickett snaps a goal. And an unkind bounce is Pickett's reward. Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for D's fans, by D's fans, as we hold on for dear life aboard the roller coaster ride that is barracking for the Melbourne Football Club. My name is Tim. I'm joined with my co-host Simo here. Mate, how you doing? Yeah, mate. It's uh, it's good. Yeah, nice to be out of lockdown, especially after quarantining for 10 days and uh, being free for four days and going into another lockdown. So, Was it only yeah. four days in the end? No, no, no. It was, uh, yeah, I was only, I was four, no, 10 days of quarantine. Yeah. Four days of being free, and then we went into the lockdown. So, yeah, no, it's good to be free again. Um, back at footy and back at school, and no, enjoying enjoying time, um, being able to do things. No, it is it is good to have everyone back in the classroom. It's great to yeah not be restricted about where we go in terms of travel limits, but at least they were keep you know they managed to keep the footy on, which is pretty impressive. Uh, credit to the AFL. And all the clubs to be as flexible as possible. And, you know, the D saw their fair share of, of COVID chaos over the weekend with, uh, yeah, a couple of joy flights to Brisbane and back without stepping off the tarmac. And, and there you go. But, you know, a lot of people are calling for that. To, we need to do that before every game. What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, yeah oh, well, to, to be honest, I think we've traveled pretty well this year. So um, it's funny to hear you say you think we've traveled to Marvel, but. In hindsight, we actually kind of did travel to Marvel considering we got on two separate planes. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I actually really rate us traveling. I mean, um, obviously this weekend coming is going to be um, a pretty telling game knowing that, you know, we're going to be quarantining for a while in Perth. I think we are now. So it'll be really interesting to see sort of how we come out and how West Coast come out too because obviously a lot of fire coming up under them and, you know, we've got to be able to back up our performance and, you know, start to secure you know, hopefully a top two spot, if not a top four. So, yeah, it'd be, I'm really interested to see what happens. We kind of put it out to our listeners the other week, but we do, yeah, do apologize for the week off last week. There was just some things that were going on that, yeah, were sort of out of our control and we couldn't get around to uh, to getting an episode out, unfortunately, just with that other match being, well, closer than we thought or not as far away as we thought, given that it was supposed to be Saturday, it got postponed. But hopefully everyone got to have a chat, got to have a listen to, my chat with Rowan Connolly. That was that was a yeah an absolute privilege to have him uh, come on board and and have a good chat about the D's and finals footy and yeah a really uh, experienced and talented AFL writer who's been in the game and in the know for a very long time, which is awesome. But we can't forget Simo. I've, I've forgotten already. We can't forget. We got to thank our fantastic sponsor, mm-hmm. uh, Hop End Brewing. Uh, this episode is yeah proudly sponsored by Hop End Brewing. Um, especially coming out of lockdown and one of those small businesses that's really kind of had to, you know, ride with the punches through this lockdown, being able to trade, being able to only do takeaway. So please make sure you go down and, and see Mike and Jody down in Lillardale there at Hop End Brewing and, and support a great local business and, and yeah, taste some fantastic beer, which, which is a great enough excuse in itself. But a pretty confidence-boosting win against Gold Coast on Sunday after, after all that debacle about... Early game on Sunday, you know, twelve ten, you know, barely sort of finishing breakfast and that sort of thing, and and uh, yeah, footy's on, which is pretty. It was a nice change, I suppose, to be finished up watching the game by two thirty. But 
what a game it was. Not for Gold Coast, but for D's fans. Uh, it was bloody good to watch. See us to sort of bounce back into a bit of form and hopefully run with a bit of confidence and a bit of momentum into what's going to be, yeah, a huge match against West Coast this week. Yeah, well, that definitely spans off. Obviously, um, coming off the draw, the Hawks and then the loss of the Doggies. I think, yeah, definitely winning form's good form. And you saw, yeah, in particular, our second quarter was just, we just made them look silly. And I, I don't even think they kicked a goal in the second or third quarter, quarter actually. So, um, I mean, they might have even kicked one goal since quarter time. So, on a defensive standpoint, straight after quarter time, I tell you what, uh, we just put them to the sword. And it shows you, like, what, why can't we do, you know, that real strong pressure across, you know, when we play those lower-ranked sides, why, why can't we bring the heat? Because look what it does to teams. They don't know what to do with the footy. It's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, play some pressure footy. And, um, and it can undo any team. It was really interesting after the Hawthorne game. And I think there's two separate instances from our players. I think Viney was one and Clary was the other. They kind of openly admitted that some of the... I don't know whether it's referring to the whole team, but just in terms of, of game prep and sort of getting ready, geared up for the game, they said that they obviously are more up and about when it's kind of, you know, a high stakes game and, you know, a backs to the wall kind of scenario, which... A little bit worrying because I suppose we've had our history of being complacent and having mentality issues and we've all sort of thought it, but to actually hear him say that, I suppose, was, yeah, a, l- a little bit concerning. I don't think too much was made of it at the time. I think our response against the Dogs is pretty good. Now, obviously, arguably probably the best side in the comp uh, alongside with the Cats and us, I think, um, and it was a much better response from us. And, yeah, unfortunately, we just beaten by a better side, I think, to see how we were, how much more we were engaged in that game. But you could just tell on, on Sunday that we were just out to hunt the footy. Um, and as you said, that pressure was just back to its elite best. And playing against a pretty young and, and inexperienced Sun side that were missing a fair few of their senior players. But in the end, yeah, I, I said to you before, I honestly think, like you look at the scoreline, um, you know, 18 goals, 20. You kick another, let's say you kick another half a dozen goals even. Okay, you still kicked 14 points. That's that's still a 130-point loss. That That is a coach-killing game. And I was saying to you before, I think we that could have easily been very Melbourne-Geelong-esque um, of 180 points, I think. I'm sure we'll touch on it later. Some wasted opportunities in front of goal, especially in that second half there. But, yeah, just Gold Coast just looked absolutely stunned and didn't look like they had a leg to stand on at all too. All right, Simo, well, we've got to get to all the good things that we liked about our massive win against the Gold Coast Sun in our next segment. Credit to the boys. Back into the game, so um, it's real credit to the boys. Um, I think it was on uh, all of us to step up and, and you know, really lead from the front, and I thought we did that all day, so... We want to play our way. Just go after the boys. All right, mate. Well, what was the first thing that you loved about our game on the weekend? Well, you've said it in the uh, in one of our posts straight after the game, mate, and that is the defensive pressure. It was outstanding, and look what it did to a team. It unraveled them. They were they were shell shocked. That Gold Coast team, mate. Twenty nine tackles inside fifty. That is outrageously good. And to go with that, twenty five intercept marks. I tell you what, you're putting pressure on the ball carrier. It makes Steve, uh, Stevie May and Lever's job so much easier. And I tell you what, look out teams if we're bringing that heat. Yeah, and I think yeah, we talked about the the standard of the opposition, but I think 
regardless of who you're playing, you're right. As I said, we were engaged, we were switched on from the start. And I think, you know, Alex Neil Bullen in particular, he had nine tackles himself with 20 pressure acts. Uh, I know we'll talk about harms a bit later, but he ended up having 25 pressure acts as well too, even though some of his game was a bit questionable. I just think that, yeah, our ability to hunt the footy and we really made them question their decision-making. I mean, there's some pretty damning footage. I think it was Noah Anderson out on the wing there. They showed it on, uh, I think it was on the couch last night. And yeah, like, you know, a kid that just has no idea where to put the ball because we're just so soundfully set up and yeah, just playing to our strengths. And it was great to see, to, to really make sure that we're punishing the opposition and yeah, really making them earn every inch of grass out there and which they didn't, as you said, we, we ended up kicking 14 goals straight. They didn't kick a goal after quarter time right up until about halfway through the last quarter. So it just showed so how much the ball lived in our half and we were really able to feast on that and that really kind of led into some creating some great scoring opportunities as well too. 100%. I think another thing that really we really need to credit is our forward line, um, especially at the start. Um, we've got we got six goals in the first quarter from from Brown, McDonald, Jacko, and Fritch. So like, get those guys involved, and you know it's going to be a good day. In total, they turned into thirteen goals across the game. So obviously, they're having a huge impact for the game, and obviously that goes towards kicking a winning score. I think it was. The first, or might have been the second or third time we scored over 100 this year. So, you know, obviously that's a huge, huge win. I think I was reading, uh, what did they say during the game? Because they were doing some stats on how many games we've actually beaten sides by over 100 in this century, which I was really shattered it didn't happen in the end. But both games were against Carlton. I was like, oh, beautiful. Like, you know, how often do you see Melbourne on on this end of dominance? Um, it's usually us on the other end, which was really interesting. Definitely, definitely wanted to see him crack the ton though. And bloody, was it Jimmy Harms had, did he have two opportunities to put oh, us mate. over 100? Oh, he had about 18 <laughs> opportunities, mate. Well, yeah, I know. But, but getting back to the forward line, I tell you what, we, we've harped about it for the last few weeks now. And I think the very first play just absolutely speaks volumes of what we've been asking for because the way that we were trying to push the ball forward and look for our forward line, especially that game against Hawthorne, about like kicking it to a massive contest. First one, I think Cozzy ends up getting the ball out of the middle and then looks to spot up Benny Brown running into space, like leading forward on the on the very first possession, like the very first inside 50. Brown doesn't take the mark, but you just look every single uh, inside 50 in that first quarter, we were looking for forwards leading into space. And we've talked about how much that that's when we're moving the ball quickly, especially out of defense or we, I mean, we smashed them in the clearances, which is again, you know, really, really promising to see as well too, but it just shows the difference that it makes. And we just look way more potent. I think track hit up Benny Brown um, on the other side uh, of, you know, about 40 out as well too on transition. I mean, track himself, he had ended up having 15 score involve, involvements um, was, was around there plenty as well too, but it certainly changed throughout the game. I think, the first quarter would definitely, first and second quarter, well, the second quarter, I think we scored a lot of our goals under pressure. First quarter, we certainly just looked for our forwards looking into space. And I think, as I said, it's it's something we've been, it sounds like a broken record, but it's proven to work. And I know we've got to get the right opportunities and transition to be able to find that space. But there was certainly a directive where two weeks ago, we were kicking to crashing packs and, and being really inefficient inside 50 and Whilst the second half, we, we, we certainly wasted a few scoring opportunities. We we certainly got off on the right start um, with those, as you said, our forward line was looking fantastic. And it was great to see Jackson bob up and kick a few as well too because, you know, he's providing that X factor as well. He is that third tool that we've got in the side. Um, as versatile as he is, 
it was great to see him get on the end of a few and yeah kind of silence the critics a bit i think it's still a bit harsh to for a second year player to say that he's having a down month after 20 odd games of footy he kind of came back and, and not only for line he was it was great all around the ground as well too yeah 100 agree with you man there mate i think another one to really really touch on is um the strong start Look, I think we kicked the first two or three, and then they kicked a couple. First, back. first three, I think. Mean, first three, and then they might have kicked the next three yeah. back. I was like, "Oh, here we go again," sort of thing. Like, it's going to be a tight one again. I was, and I, I sort of thought, you know, we've got to find an extra gear here in this first quarter because we got to capitalize on our on our dominance. Because I feel like we had a lot of the players, especially in the first 15, 20. And I thought we didn't get full reward um, on the scoreboard, therefore. Um, those <clears throat> late couple goals uh, in the quarter to get us to six goals at quarter time um, really opened the game up, especially from probably that 20-minute mark of the first quarter, um, which led into that real strong three-quarter um, dominance. As, as you saw um, in the game, we um, were up by, was it 95 points at three-quarter time? So especially defensively, for them not to kick a goal for, I think it was over 60 or 70 minutes, I think it was almost 90 minutes in the end. I mean, almost 90 minutes. It was, yeah. It's yeah. like a true testimony to what was happening, um, you know, at the ball carrier to make it easy for us to defend. So, Hang on. Does that sound right? 90 minutes? Sounds like a lot, doesn't it? I don't know. I'm pretty, I, thought it, I thought it was. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> could be wrong. I'll get you, pointed out. Do you teach maths? Yeah, I do. All right. Good on Four 30-minute quarters. That's, that's, that's 120 minutes. Yeah. I know it's four 20-minute quarters with time on, but anyway. Uh, whatever yeah, mate. <laughs> but no speaking of goals i think we have to go we can't go without talking about maxi's goal from from the boundary oh, line because oh, that was what, oh, <laughs> that was elite that was absolutely elite like I, I think his smile just kind of summed it up and it, you know he, he did have a bit of a quiet game especially in that first half as well too and it's completely fine we had plenty of others that were standing up around him but it was yeah great to see him get involved in there and I think he ended up end up with a couple to his name. I think in the end as well too. Um, yeah, I can't remember who was it. Oh, I get around him when he kicks the set shot, especially a drop punt. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Other times you've seen him kind of go for a drop punt from that from that angle there. So it's probably good that he. Well, it's surprising that he went with the with the banana there, but no, nah, it was great. And and right. the call, the commentator's call, um, was yeah, was pretty pretty fantastic as well too. So yeah. although I wasn't a fan of some of uh, Kelly Underwood's puns that she was using, they were pretty corny. I think. Um, what was it? He's loving it to the max, and because he's picking them apart, I was just like, oh. I mean, I, I tell you what, I'm all for a dad joke, but <laughs> did you just say pretty corny or pretty gorny? Oh, come on, mate, <laughs> you're right oh, up there, dude. right up there. But, oh, nah, it was good. Oh, and quickly before we finish up here, what did you think of our young debutant Bowser's game? Yeah, Bowser. Jake Bowie, well, I, I yeah, thought he was so- fantastic. Yeah, so my part, my partner's sister's boyfriend used to work at Sandy with him. So, sorry, yeah. say say that again. What's the connection? You're, you're cooking me here. You're you're getting my you're wrecking up my bench way. My sister's sorry, my partner's sister's boyfriend worked at Sandy Dragons with Jake Bowie, elite ball user, um, very clean. Obviously, we saw that when he had his disposal um, on the weekend. I'm not sure if he was probably playing a little bit more of a lockdown role on that first game uh, slash that Ben Ainsworth. So therefore, yeah, I don't think I think he was just more so getting his groove. I know he had a few early, I think he might have finished with about 13, 14. Yeah, but didn't get his full stats at the end there. He went, he went, he went at a high clip. So, you know, when he gets it, he looks really composed and looks suited to the level. 
and that's you know a lot of the comparisons coming out of the draft were certainly you know alongside that color Caleb Daniel model. Um, it was great to see. I don't know if you watched the the player uh, the jumper presentation with um, Troy Chaplin giving it to him, but I think the, the start of that video is Shannon Burns uh, giving him. I think introducing him or like kind of giving the ramp up for for the jumper presentation. He said, "Mate, 175 centimeters," because obviously <laughs> Shannon okay. Burns was never a tall player as well, too. But no, he had a great impact out there, and I think you're right. He slotted straight in, uh, yeah, used the ball really cleanly, and and tell you what, almost took an absolute ripper of a mark as well, too. He was so close. All he needed to do was hang on to that. And I think the commentators mentioned he was the only bloke that was smaller than him on the field, but he still <laughs> managed to get up on there on his shoulders. So certainly, I'm one to watch with with Hippo. Look, I still think at the end of the day, Hippo comes in for finals, but uh, certainly good to know that we've got somebody waiting in the wings as well too because first-round draft pick from this year. Uh, yeah, exciting stuff. So, no, great to see Bowser get a run, and I'm sure he'll become a bit of a cult uh, figure around the club as well too. Well, Simo, we've covered the things that we did like, but there's certainly always room for improvement, and we're going to look at those things in our next segment, Pretty Pissed Off. Pretty, I'm pretty pissed. I'm pretty pissed off still. Um, it's not good enough. That's very unlike the way we've been playing, and something that we'll obviously review and get better at. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's not good enough today. Um, this team, this club's got to start winning games. All right, mate. Well, the first thing I'm going to start off with. We talked about our second half and how fantastic our firepower was. It was great to get uh, a number of goals on the board. I mentioned up the top there, it certainly could have been a bigger win. We would have loved to crack the ton, and we certainly had our opportunities. I mean, we had 38 scoring shots in the end there, and I think our inside 50s just in that second half just looked a little bit wasteful at times, and and whether that was our legs sort of running out from under us and and getting a little bit tired. But that third quarter alone, we had 19 inside 50s for four goals. And yeah, just as I said, I, I really think that that direction kind of changed from the first half where we really were looking for forwards running into space where we started to look more for packs and contests. And we saw that the other week that we're not we're not dangerous enough around there and I, I don't know like it's just not as an efficient way of scoring and, and Gold Coast are, are pretty small down back in the terms of you got Sam Collins down there but they were pretty undermanned on the on the night and I think playing in one on one that's your best bet I mean with, with experience forwards like Brown and Tom McDonald down there and then Jackson popping up plus the pressure of our small forwards I, I don't understand why I sort of changed the structure there but Certainly something that we still need to tidy up because on better sides, we still need to learn to be more efficient inside 50. And I think we ended up running at 56% for the game. Now, still won by 100 points, don't get me wrong. And I can't I can't remember exactly what the league average is for efficiency inside 50. But I think when you're fully running into clip, and I know we started to have a bit more, you know, probably started to be a little bit lairish in that last quarter and started to unleash a few bombs and, and not being selfish, but I think everyone wanted to get their name on the scoreboard um, a little bit towards the end there, we still could have, uh, yeah, probably dialed it back a little bit and just got back to the basics and, and really piled on the pressure and piled on the goals a bit more, just make, sticking to what we'd done earlier in the game. So, again, just just small little things, but we could have inflicted, I think, a lot more damage. As I said, only a handful more goals, and you're looking at a 130-point loss sounds a lot worse than a 98-point loss. I think... Well, the main reason why we had so many int- entries is Gold Coast was just hacking it out. They had about, I reckon, 16 of the 18 players who were just camped into our forward line for, I reckon, a 10, 15-minute period where we had at least a dozen entries where it was just nothing entries. 
just kicking a pack. So it was a spoiling out and just a hack kick out. It was just, it was a real messy part of the game. And like, you know, it, you would have thought as players on the ground that you'd try and change things. But I suppose it's a bit hard when everyone's sort of camped in the area, unless you get a big bomb outside 50 or something. But just quickly, but looking at that entire control. second half, we were looking, you know, six goals, 12 for that for that half. I mean, we kicked 14 goals to half time and then six goals for the rest of the game. I understand, you know, maybe preserving some legs. I know we've got a couple of boys that um that ended up having a bit of a rest early in that sense. But that last quarter, where we got, you know, a couple of pot shots at <laughs> one goal six there. And we've seen that happen before this year as well too, where we've had opportunities to put sides away in that last quarter and we, we failed. But look, it was far from a failure. Again, we're kind of nitpicking here, but I think there's certainly things that, you know, come finals time, we want to make sure in the last quarter that, you know, we're renowned for our fitness and we're renowned for being able to run out games, but we want to make sure that we've got to run out games on the scoreboard as well. Well, a lot of our six goals, 12, probably comes from a bit of damage control from Gold Coast. I think they had nothing else to do. Nothing, they didn't know what to do at halftime. Like, it was just, yeah. To me, it looked like damage control. When down by 10 goals at halftime, it's like, what the hell do we do now? Like, Stewie had no idea what to do. The players had no idea what to do. So, all they did was just camp back. So, I think that's where that comes from. Um, I think I want to touch on this because it's a couple of couple offenders which happen most weeks, which is a bit concerning. But Jack Viney and Harms, they love to take on the tackler when an easy option, either left, right, a run and draw handball, they just love to take it on. Try and break a tackle, and then get pinged. Probably, probably forty percent of the time, I reckon. They they try and step a tackle and get done, and then you know it puts a lot of pressure on our defense. It's it's just one of those one percent. It's just an easy thing to do. Common sense and footy. Give the give the first option. Trust your teammate, and it's as simple as that. Yeah, well, I think Harms is pretty pretty well known for the uh, for the fend off and. Uh, or- you know, always sort of loves to try and break through two or three, but that's right. He gets it. He gets pinged a fair bit of the time, and and Viney has has been on the other end of some criticism from that from the last few weeks as well. And I mean, we won't be seeing him for a couple of weeks now after everything that's transpired with the tribunal tonight as well too. But yeah, you're right. I know you talked about it the other week, even as a as a player, I've been taking the first option and just making sure that yeah, you're getting rid of the ball and getting the ball into a spot where it's going to put your team first. And unfortunately, yeah, I, I can understand at some aspects where they need to absorb the contact and where they're you know killing killing a contest ball. But at the same time, if you're running into two or three players of your own accord and and trying to break through to that, then that's yeah, you're putting your Putting your team at a disadvantage there and, and potentially causing either a turnover um, or killing some momentum in that sense. 100% agree. And also to go with that, I think he he harms, tries to do a lot, uh, a bit too much too, because I don't know if you saw, but probably numerous occasions, I reckon he spoiled our key forwards at least three times across the day too. He, his second half was just, uh, it was an easy one to pick out amongst our team. And the fact that he got the best, I reckon it's purely because. Maybe his defensive pressure. Maybe you look at his defensive stats. But I tell you what, he did everything he could not to let us kick goals. He had about three or four set shots and kicked three behinds. Like, I don't, yeah. 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 Like, I think Tom McDonald gave him a death stare when he jumped in front of him. And, oh, yeah. Oh, like, <laughs> like, what are you doing? Right. Yeah, cutting him off exactly oh, there. I holy know. gosh. Like, but, come on, Jim. I did, yeah. And it, it did seem a little bit 
bit that way. I think Gary Lyon might have mentioned a couple of times uh, throughout the game that, you know, started to sort of play like billionaires a couple of times. And I think, you know, Viney, Harms, Sparrow was sort of caught out a couple of times. Just, as I said, trying to be a little bit too fancy, a bit too smart-ass. And uh, we didn't get caught up in it. But it's still something that you want to see us dial back on in, in terms of our professionalism and, and just making sure that we're doing the job that's ahead of us and, and not uh, yeah not trying to demoralize the opposition because yeah we want to make sure that we're going. We want to be a team that is revered by others and, and you know we want to play with an edge. I completely understand that. But at the same time, uh, you do look a little bit silly uh, if you're... Yeah, if you're trying to do too much, if you if you're trying to, you know, make the million dollar play rather than just execute the basics and and you know get get the job done that's in front of you rather than um, trying to put on a show because yeah, certainly a couple of bikes there that got put out. But as we said, it's it's nothing massive. But you just think against the quality side, that's that's not going to run. Um, and you're gonna yeah, you're gonna hear about it if it doesn't get uh, if it doesn't come off either. Yeah, I think the last point to touch on May is yeah, we've got to talk about the Viney elbow because. The fact uh, that happened in the last quarter, I'm pretty sure. And the fact that that happened, like, to be honest, Viney looked like he was grumpy or not. Like, I don't know what was going going on with him. Like, maybe he wasn't getting enough game time or enough midfield minutes or something. I don't know. But, yeah, he just didn't look like a happy man out there. I suppose took one little thing for his fears to burst and, you know, comes up with a, what's it, two weeks um, he's going to miss now and, you know, pretty critical time. Um I think we've got obviously we've got the depth to be able to cover him. So, I mean, it'll be it'll be a loss because especially during the, against the midfield this weekend that you know it's going to be pretty tough in there. Is um he's one that we really would have uh, needed. Yeah, and uh, look, we know that that's not that action is not going to define who he is, and he's not going to let that happen. It's an ugly look for the game, and I think rightfully so that he's been banned. And yeah, it. Like, honestly, I had no idea it occurred until, you know, until earlier tonight. I hadn't absolutely, you know, was completely oblivious to, to the event. Hadn't heard about it at all. And, yeah, when you see the vision, it's pretty pretty damning in that sense. And you like to think that he's not a dirty player. He's, he's a player that we love because he, he does bring that hard edge and he, he brings that mongrel bastard. And, you know, being having that leadership quality as our vice captain, you know, the, the boys all stand around him and, and look to him as a leader. And we know that that's, what, that's not what we want our players to stand for. And that's not something that I'm sure that... Look, in the heat of the game, I, I completely get that. Uh, and he's not going to be judged alone on, on, on that one action. But... Um, unfortunately, he's going to have to spend some times on the sideline as a result, and it is. It's that we got three games to go, and he's a, he's an important player. You know, he's at the end of the day, he's he's in our best twenty-two, and we need him for finals. So, I hope that he learns from that. I think that he would feel like he's letting the boys down about not being available for the next two weeks, leading into September as well, too. Now we've got to award our Charlie Spargo Award. So that goes to the most underrated performance of the weekend or somebody that we feel like deserves a bit of a rap when they don't always get the limelight. Simo, I understand that you've you've made your selection here. Could have been a number of different players from the weekend, but who have you got? Who, who's somebody that stood out for you? 
for me, mate, it was Dogger. Um, for someone someone that's probably not had his best month, I suppose, is July. Like, I, I think someone, he's come out and had 17 touches, six kicks, 13 hitouts. And I know a few of those were hitouts to advantage and looked bloody good. Um, 88% disposal efficiency, eight score involvements, and more, most importantly, hit the scoreboard and kicked four. Um, previous best was two in a game, um, but his first half especially, I think he had about 12 or 13 touches to go with four goals. It's it's pretty impressive, my friend. It certainly was. I think, yeah, that first quarter kind of set the tone, you know, being able, I think for his confidence to be able to go back and nail a couple of set shots from from 40 out as well too would have been huge for his confidence. As, as we sort of said, it's, they're really, they're, it's an added bonus, those goals, okay? We, uh, we've got our professional key forwards in, in Tom McDonald and Ben Brown and Fritch in there to sort of do the grunt work. But when Jackson can bob up and kick two or three and, you know, he's, he's been known also to, to find himself out the back and get on, you know, he ended up getting the a push in the back and able to run into an open goal square as well too. But he's just such a versatile player that, I mean, you mentioned his touches there as well too, but we know that he's not a player that has to get a lot of the ball to impact the game. And his ruck work is just becoming more and more. I think we've said it before. His, his ruck work is becoming, he's learning from the master and it's it's starting to come through. And Maxie jokes about it, about he's going to take his job, but he's uh, he's bloody right in that sense. And no, nah, look, as a 19-year-old, to be down on form in your second season, I think we were chatting before, I think it's a little bit stiff to have that criticism of you and that high expectation from such a young player. But it was great to see him, yeah, have a real impact. And I think just getting off to a start, I think like like any player would feed off that momentum, you know, in that first quarter. And really his first half was outstanding. And, and the second half, he rounded out a really nice game. And yeah, all credit goes to him. And, and yes, you know what? Maybe not the most underrated performance of the weekend, but certainly one that deserves deserves our credit. And because, you know, we're, we're legitimate people that give footy players credit we've got the authority too but honestly i think yeah it's such an important part of our of our team and yeah we should be uh should be lauding him for all the efforts that he makes and excited to see what he's going to still provide for us for not only this season but for many seasons to come sign him up mate sign him up yeah that's it all right, Simo, well, we are the podcast for the fans and we wouldn't be here without them, so it's time that we hear the thoughts of our loyal listeners in our next segment, Fugazi. People only commenting on what they see, um, but internally, it's Fugazi. Can you do your best uh, Matthew McConaughey impression from the <laughs> No, I can't, but it's, uh, it's goes something like Fugazi, it's Woozy, it's Wazi. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, we're after the talking points after our massive win against Gold Coast on the weekend. Who have we got there first, bud? All right, first one comes in from Jill Harbro. So, sums, sons were absent and, and appalling. Good percentage boost for the Ds at the end. Oh, that sums it up pretty well. Well done, Jill. That's uh, that's perfect. Next, we've got Nathaniel Slater. Says, goal kicking still. Six goals, 12 in the second half. And, yeah, we, we've touched on that enough tonight. Good to see that uh, Goody was talking about during the week that they're spending extra time in front of goals. And I think, well, from the first half, we could certainly see it from set shots. I think that's been our our glaring uh, hole in our game in the last few weeks and something that we needed to address and work on. And I think certainly at the start, the first half, you, you can't argue with that. I think from set shots, we don't have the stat right in front of me, but we were, you look at those first few in that first quarter, especially to see Benny Brown get on the right side of a few, I think was really promising. And we know that Fritz... Uh, 
reasonably, oh, no, you'd be pretty confident that he'd be able to nail those. So I think, uh, again, it's looking to those smaller forwards and those midfielders that are pushing forward to hopefully be those added extra targets and making sure that they can capitalise on opportunities for set shots as well, not just goals on the run. 100%. I think it was six goals straight, Tim, and I think then Harms ruined it all. What well I mean. <laughs> um, I think we ended up as 8-4 at halftime. I Mate, think. I hope you... Nah, yeah. what, what, what happens if I you like ever meet him? him? What happens if you ever meet him? Me? Oh, Chompers. I actually really do like him. I just, he's just doing things that annoy me. <laughs> uh, but anyway, AIDS are right. Uh, good old Chompers. Uh, next one comes in from uh, Pam SM. Um, that sort of really, really threw me there. Um, fantastic team effort. Uh, believe D's unbeatable when playing that way. 100%. It, and again, it comes from that word pressure. You know, you always say that pressure rating, I think, will, you know, upwards of 200 for the best part of that first half. So if we bring that um, week in, week, week out, I don't see why we can't beat any side. Yeah, exactly right. We want to see that against all sides, against all rounds. Um, completely understand. It's a long season and we know that, yeah, we've got to make sure that we're bringing the same intensity for each and every game. And we especially want to be playing that around about this time of the year and heading into finals when it all really matters. So the, our last comment here we've, comes from Instagram. We've got Bisha Kudera. I hope I said that right. Uh, he, he said, positives, clearance game around the center and stoppages was elite. I think we already talked about how we smashed in the stoppages this week, which hasn't been something that we've been yeah doing in the past. I think I think the biggest win for us was, yeah, stoppage clearances, which is something that we lost drastically against the Bulldogs. And that was certainly highlighted about, you know, giving elite players. I mean, you think about a couple of those goals that Bontepelli scored uh, in, you know, on defensive forward stoppages. Uh, against the Bulldogs was, yeah, it was kind of unforgivable and was something that they certainly need to go away and look at because I think that particular game, what did we give up? Six goals from defensive stoppages, I think. Yeah. Um, Ford 50. Which, no, I think, I think uh, league average, you're looking at about one to two goals, absolute maximum. So it was great to see that we could kind of get on top of that stat. Uh, and then, sorry, Bishop continues on with negatives. Scoreline could have been a lot better and we're still missing some polish on the goal. So, yeah, echoes what we said. I still think that that first half was tremendous. It was whether it was a bit of running out of legs or uh, still something to be desired with our kicking. But tell you what, when you're having 38 shots and you kick 18 goals, you, you know, you're almost at 50%. It's, yeah, can't complain too much when you're winning by nearly 100 points. But certainly always, always something to work on there. Absolutely. All right, Samo, so, well, we've covered the game against the Gold Coast. We now have to move ahead. We have to look to round 21 in the AFL season. Round 21 certainly is. And we're going to do that in the next segment, one week at a time. Uh, we're, we're pleased with where we sit. We understand there's going to be some hype around how we're playing. But we also want to just take it you know, one week at a time. And, and coaches say that a lot. And, and people, and it's just the reality. You can't look too far ahead. All right, mate. Looking ahead, so West Coast on Monday night, which is interesting, um, obviously, to serve our seven-day quarantine, which will be interesting to see how the boys come out from that um, and what, what happens with training and everything. I'm not sure exactly how. So I think um, that, sorry, just to jump in there, I was listening today. So they're, they're sharing a facility with Brisbane because Brisbane are also over there at the moment. And they, they so there's two facilities that they're quarantining at and they're, so they're splitting it. So it's like three and a half days each or something like that in terms of being able to kind of get equal training uh, opportunities. So I don't know exactly where those facilities are, but no, it was interesting. They had the 
oh, I can't remember, somebody from the AFL in terms of the club management, um, but somebody that looks after, I think, a lot of the venues and, and in terms of restructuring the fixtures. And I think just given the flexible fixturing that we've had this year, it, yeah, interesting to hear, you know, I'm, no doubt, I don't think we would have shared a plane, but yeah, to, to see us sort of yeah, bunking bunking up probably next to Brisbane whilst we're over there and, and, and be, I'm sure we'll be running into them in the corridors as well too. Yeah, well, hopefully don't, we don't take on some of their form because they've been pretty rubbish in the last month. Yeah, so West Coast, yeah, we should expect them to bounce back in some way, shape or form, I think, especially going down to Collingwood. Um, obviously, you know, Pies fans would have been happy and I know a couple of my friends that, were, that are Pies fans are pretty happy, especially what happened to them in 2018, but I suppose you can just use that against them every time they play. Yeah, West Coast should come out pretty firing. I think Shuey and Barras are, are in line to return. So, you know, Barras is obviously one of their key pillars and he makes Jeremy McGovern a better player. And I feel like Jeremy McGovern actually, you know, gets really found out without Barras there. So I think Barras really opens up McGovern to really take that innocent mark. But sounds like sounds there. like an, another elite defensive structure that, uh, that we're pretty familiar with as well too, with other players allowing... Other players to take intercept marks and yeah, go Harrison. <laughs> go pets. Um, yeah, hundred percent. And actually, to touch on that, uh, to add on that, Tim, um, I've been hearing so a lot of you. Actually, I don't know if you've noticed this, but a lot of what our ruckman does, especially Gorney and or and Jackson, who was whoever's in there, they actually drop off behind the footy, and one one of the ruckmen take the inside fifty um, ruck contest. The other one drops off and actually takes. Um, the opposition forward. I don't know if you've noticed this. Um, I think they showed some footage. Was it? Were you talking about this? Uh, did you see this? It was a couple of weeks ago where they highlighted Maxi, Maxi almost running from probably about eighty meters away. Yeah, right? yeah. No, I did yeah, see that. And now they were really about Jackson too. Yeah. So right. it's obviously, like try and combat that. Yeah. Well, hopefully the step ladder uh, doesn't happen again. L- lucky Liam Ryan isn't playing this weekend. That'd be a Oh, so be happy about that. Um, did you hear? Did you hear on Gus and Gorney them um, the starting petition for the Richmond? So in terms of the mark of the year for 2021, they said they they want to start a petition and a joint campaign with the Richmond supporters for um, for Jack Rewalt and Shy Bolton to win because the other three contenders have got Max as the bloody stepladder <laughs> in them. So I want to keep him out of it because he's already like you already got Liam Ryan there. And Georgiatis. I think oh well yeah and then this year Georgiatis. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it was very funny. <laughs> yeah, um yeah I suppose I think the biggest thing for this one is to get on top in the midfield. Obviously with Nick Nat floating around getting you know really good taps to his midfielders and you know they've been pretty quiet. Their midfielders, as you know, they've got a pretty pretty strong list on on paper, but obviously they're not firing at the moment. So just just got to be careful. I think we've got the forward line to really stretch them. You know, and obviously our defence will be able to stack up to their two key pillars. And Ryan's usually one that really does dominate us. So having him out is you know beneficial for us. But I suppose the biggest thing we need to worry about um, would be definitely the home crowd factor. And being in West Coast and Perth, it's pretty hostile. It's you know, a place where I think we should be watching what happened in 2018, letting that sting, and um, yeah, really shove it up them because yeah, that was that was pitiful and that that hurt that day, um, especially that first half was ugh, absolutely appalling. And I think we need to do the same. We need to we need to hurt them. I reckon it's time for us to really flex our muscles against this mob. Yeah, I I think so. I think we were chatting before. I'm still very aware of the home ground advantage and just. I don't think that we can 
take in the way that they play away from their home ground is completely different to what they play at home. And they've been they've copped a lot of shit in the last two days about their performance against Collingwood. And I think the fact that they dish that up playing uh, with with Shannon Hearn, their captain, yeah, captain, yeah. former captain, former captain, former captain. Um, playing the 300th game and for everything that he's given to that club, for them to perform like that, yeah, it was, yeah, it's, it's been slammed. And I know that, yeah, Adam Simpson and, and I know, I think, was it um, Dom Shee came out and kind of apologized as well on behalf. So they will be absolutely raring to go. And you can imagine the crowd there uh, are going to be absolutely chomping at the bit, watching, wanting uh, them, their boys to sort of, yeah, really stand up and, and put a performance in because, well, they're sitting seventh at the moment. They've got a final spot that they're that they you know they're playing for, and the D's. We've got three games left, and we have to win all these to guarantee ourselves a spot in the top four. And you know we've got that two point buffer against uh, up against Port Adelaide, but at the same time we, we've got Geelong at round twenty three. We need to make sure that we take this opportunity because if we lose this, then we're putting the pressure back on us to then yeah. beat Adelaide. And we know that you know we well it happened again once against this year. I don't care what you say. The competition is as even as it's been, aside from Gold Coast that we played on the weekend. I don't care whether you play North Melbourne, Buddy Carlson, Adelaide, pretty damn even. I wouldn't you agree? I think North Melbourne certainly for playing for a bottom side. I can't remember for a bottom side that's played like that and that's looked like that stayed competitive within games. Gold Coast is the one that looked like the walkover, and but they haven't done that all season. So we can't we can't be complacent. We just need to make sure we go in there and do the job. West Coast are going to be absolutely filthy at what they dished up last week. They're going to come out rearing at us, and we need to make sure that we hit them after that first bounce. We need to make sure that we put all that intensity that we brought to Gold Coast and fucking do it there. <laughs> yes, because, it. Uh, yeah, no, no, everything's on the line oh, here. Want, this, want, is, oh, this, <laughs> this is where it's at, mate. This is where it's at. This is the business end of the season. Buddy, go hard or go home. All right, Zemo, well, it pretty much wraps it up for another week, mate. It's uh, good to be back. I know it's been a couple of weeks since you and me have had a pod. Uh, yeah, good to be back and, and good to be back to somewhat normality as well too after what's been a couple of weeks of pretty shitty times at home. But yeah, fingers crossed that we're we're staying like this and that everyone's looking out for each other. But thanks to all our listeners for sticking thing with us. We hope you, as I said, enjoyed the chat with Ron Connolly. We've got a couple of really exciting special guests coming up as well. So please stay tuned for those announcements there. Uh, big thanks to our sponsors, Hop Hen Brewing, once again. Um, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple, or Google. And feel free to leave us a review or give us some feedback. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at 8 at... Attention to detail, A-T-T-N to detail, uh, Facebook, Instagram, or you can throw us an email at attention to detail pod at gmail.com. Simo, thanks again, mate. All the best for the rest of the week. And yeah, Monday night footy, it'll be interesting. We'll have to revolve it around basketball. Hopefully, we'll uh, to check the to- game time and, and see what time we're there. But uh, yeah, be watching in one way or another. Yeah, that's it. I think I missed the first quarter with a 7.50 game, 8.10 start, I think. So, yeah. So, I'll be uh, yeah, trying to trying to catch up. I think I'll just catch it live. I'll uh, – won't do you. I'll uh, I'll just get it straight up and, uh, yeah, head, head, head nice and strong and hopefully we can shove it up. And... Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, fingers crossed we're chatting about a good win over in the West next week. And, yeah, it's 
crazy to think two two weeks away after this round uh, towards finals and and then and then we're really in the shit aren't we <laughs> yeah. that's when that's when the nerves really start to go and it's uh yeah serious time but it's exciting nonetheless and and honestly i mean we just want to be we want to make sure that we can go and, and watch the game it's it's yeah it's scary to think that uh that it lies in the balance whether well, a a grand final can be played at the G, regardless of whether we're in it or not. Um, but just from any supporter standpoint, we 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 want footy to go ahead, and we want we want everyone to be there as long as it's safe and permitted to do so. So fingers crossed, it all stays that way. All right, mate. Thanks again. Thanks all the listeners, and uh, we'll see you next week. Go D's. Go the D's. <laughs>